I'm Kara, and this is my husband, David. We've been married a few years and have a sweet baby girl named Everly. Before we were married, we actually both went through divorces. It wasn't something either of us wanted, but when we took a step back, we actually learned a lot about ourselves and relationships. Fast forward a few years, and now we find ourselves married to each other and with a commitment to keep a happy, healthy marriage. But we aren't doing it alone, and we want to share with you what we learned and how it's working for us. We hope that through our experience, you can learn and enrich your relationships. We're glad to have you join us in In Pursuit of Love. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode three of the In Pursuit of Love podcast. I'm Kara. And I'm David. On this episode, we're going to talk about stress and how it affects a relationship, how we've seen it affect our relationship at different times, and what we have kind of learned to help us cope with stress. So what would you say is your stress level right now? I don't know the answer to that question. I always hate that question. Honestly, that question kind of stresses me out. You know, I think that's part of the problem. Uh, I think we carry around a lot of stress within us Mm -hmm. from time to time, whether it's work-related, finance-related, relationship-related. But I think the problem is most people can't pay attention to the fact that, hey, this is stressing me out. And so what ends up happening is, People start reacting to things. People start like lashing out. People start having these arguments. This resentment builds up without even acknowledging this. Remember when we did the survey, one of the top answers of what negatively was affecting a relationship, people said stress. Stress. So that's both outside stress and internal stress. Which I think a lot of times it goes both ways, whether it starts in the relationship or it starts out of the relationship and it just bleeds over into every part of your life. Yeah, because everything is connected. Right. You can't separate yourself. So if you're as super much as you think you can. Yeah. So like if you're super stressed at work, you're gonna bring that home. Even if you can clock out, even if it's the kind of job that you, you don't have to work from home. If you're in a toxic work environment, if you're having problems with work, if you're just overloaded with work, you're going to bring that home. And I think it is like what you were saying, a lot of times we don't really think about it. Like it just kind of becomes normal. I think in our society too, it's just, it's almost like a badge of honor that people wear that, Oh, I'm more stressed than you are. Or I have more on my plate or I'm dealing with all of this stuff and I'm, and I'm still getting it all done. And maybe you are, but at what cost? I think that's so true. Like the more stress you have, it's like people should honor your work more than or the, it's like you're more successful if or you more have important. more stress yeah like you just have to hustle all the time right and it makes it harder to deal with like harder to problem solve i guess with each other to really understand that if you can't first pinpoint all that stress you're experiencing and that's why one crucial step that we can take in dealing with stress in a relationship is being self-aware enough to know when you're stressed out, when these things are beginning to stress you out. Or how, like how you experience stress. For some people it's, you know, they get a headache and then that's when they know, or I don't, you know, all those little different things that they say. I, I am definitely, and you know, this husband (laughs) is that I am not good at dealing with stress. I don't know if dealing is the right word. I'm not good at at identifying the stress. 
So, cause for me, it's when one bad thing happens, it's like the whole world is ending and why even try if this one little piece is just not functioning properly, then the rest of my life has no purpose and things just fall apart. I'm like a, what do they call it? Like a doomsday person. It's like one bad thing and it's just. You catastrophize. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? I guess that's a word. There's a word. It's like catastrophizing <laughs> things. Right. Everything is worst case. Not everything, but when I'm experiencing right. stress, it's anything that goes wrong is worst case scenario. And I would say you're relatively chill 99% of the time. I like to think so. Yeah. You're very patient <laughs> with me, that's for sure. Right. But then one thing happens and I'm just, but, and I've seen, I can look back, you know, at like the trail of my life and see how that has affected different relationships. Um, not just in marriage, but, you know, friendships, family relationships, everything. You can see how that, the fallout is kind of there. And I've gotten better, I would say, at at least that, that like you said, that crucial step of being able to say, okay, this is what's happening. Even though in my head I still let it go worst case, it's like there's that little tiny voice that's like sitting there going, okay, you know what you're doing. You know in like – a couple hours or a day or however long it takes, everything is going to go back to normal and you're going to be able to figure this out and solve it. But for right now, just freak out. I know what's important for me has been learning to pinpoint what it is that's really stressing me out. And for me, I've realized that sometimes what seems obvious is not always the stressor. So when I graduated from my graduate program, my first job as a, I like to say a real adult, not working at Gap Kids was. Kind of wish you were working at Gap Kids. I know, that, that discount. discount. <laughs> that was so worth it. Wait, let me let me give it, not so much the Gap Kids discount, but the Banana Republic oh, discount. Oh yeah, I know. I love that. All of their brands. Hashtag this is not sponsored by them. Not sponsored at all by them. But so I was in my first real job where I was using my education, I guess. It wasn't my dream job. I knew that. But it's part of that career, you know, as you think you're building in this career. And it was horrible. It was the – I don't want to say it was the worst experience of my life, but it was it was not good. And I would come home every day in tears. I, yeah, I would cry all day sometimes it seemed like. I was just stress level to the max. And – it was a difficult job. I wasn't the only one stressed. All of my coworkers were stressed. We were all there. So I knew it wasn't just me. Can I ask what this job was? No. Oh, okay. I'll t I don't want to tell you the company. No, you can't. Don't say the company, but you can tell okay. us what it was. Because I, I feel like people are going to be wondering what this oh, was. Okay. I was a family counselor. So I would go into homes of kids between the ages of 12 and 17 who were on the verge of being removed from the home for their behaviors, not necessarily, not their parents' behaviors, but so they were either getting ready to be shipped off to like juvenile detention, like kitty jail, or they were getting ready to be placed into um, like a therapeutic foster care. So, and I was expected to do like between four and six hours of therapy with them a week. I don't know if you've met a 12 year old that wants to sit in six hours of therapy or 17 year old that wants to sit 
in that much therapy, but I can tell you there is not one yet that I have met. So it was a difficult model to say the least. So I could easily look at that and say, you know, these are the things that are stressing me out. Like the time on my, or like the demands on my time, the, I mean, the people I worked with were really great, but you know, like that the company expectations or all of those things I could say were really stressful. And I don't, I wasn't able to pinpoint this. I don't want to sound like I was able to figure this out, but I would say that it's been years, maybe in looking back and reflecting on it, where I've realized what was really stressing me out was that I felt extremely unqualified to be helping these people. And so my insecurities and my inadequacies, because I came out of, I was good at school. I always say that I'm really good at school. You are. I think that's one of our inside jokes when yeah. we have to write anything. You always have to edit all my stuff. Yeah. And but I always just, say that. You're I'm good, good at school. Oh, and I'm good at like studying for tests. I know how to study and then I know how to regurgitate. I'm not necessarily good at learning. <laughs> I'm just good at school. So I went from being really good at all of this, like all of my life, getting great grades. And it's like, but then you throw me into real life experience and I couldn't cut it. And so it was really understanding that like it was the insecurities. That's what was stressing me out. So it didn't matter how many time management things or how many self-care things that I was building into my life. It wasn't dealing with the stress because that wasn't the stressor. And I think so many times people can't pinpoint what's stressing them out. And so they think it's all those other things, those external things like you're saying. But the reality is when you're able to pinpoint the thing that is stressing you out, then you can begin to actually deal with it. And I think you said something that's really important. You were you were building in self-care time. You were building in time management time. You were doing all those things that people do to... Cope with stress. Yeah, but oftentimes they're just coping with the symptoms, the things that's coming up, but they're not actually dealing with the thing that's right. stressing them out. I know when I was going through some stress in my life, this was early on after graduate school as well, right? It's when, a difficult time. It's a, that is a difficult transition coming out of school into the real world. Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes I would think, well, I'm just going to take a little nap. But then I couldn't sleep because I was so worried or stressed about whatever it was that was stressing me out. And so then I would just get up and say, no, like I have to deal with whatever is worrying me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big part of the problem is that people can't really figure out what it is. I know for me, there was a season in my life when we were, since we've been married, that I was just extremely stressed out with work. And the reality was, it wasn't even that it was other people's expectations. It was my own internal expectations of what I thought I needed to do. And in my own stress, I started kind of pulling away, not necessarily pulling away from the relationship, but I, the way I deal with stress is I need to reflect and kind of internally figure out what it is that's going on. And sometimes that feels like I'm pulling away. You retreat into yourself. Right. And what ends up happening though, is then I remember I had like a fever. I got sick. I was, I wasn't depressed. I was depressing. I guess you could mm -hmm. say it was just one of those several days or a week or two where I just couldn't figure out what it was because I thought it was all these other things that, which is what we do with stress. 
I was still working out. I was still doing everything I thought I needed to do to deal with the symptoms, but it wasn't until I was able to really pinpoint, okay, this is, this is what it is. This is the insecurity or like you said, the inadequacy. And once I could pinpoint that, then you can begin to work from there. And in the last few years, self-care has become one of those buzzwords and it's you know, an industry and education that everybody is really talking about, which is great because self-care is really important. But I think there needs to be a distinction between self-care and coping with stress. Because like you said, a lot of times if you ask people, and this is, you know, like really popular in like my field in social work, most interviews, most every job interview that I've had, they always ask, how do you cope with stress? How do you deal with stress? Because the job is pretty stressful. What I've realized is that it's not saying, oh, I go for a run, which is, that's not true for me. (laughs) That's more stress inducing than stress relieving, but, or saying like, you know, sitting down to read a good book or spending time with my family, that's not coping with stress. That's self-care. And what self-care does is help to put you in the best mental an emotional position to then deal with stress. And that's something that I didn't understand when I had my first difficult job was that, which first of all, I couldn't even enjoy anything because I was so consumed with how much I hated my job. But all those, anytime I tried to do any little self-care things, I was like, okay, I'm coping with stress, but it wasn't at all. And one of the ways I like to illustrate that is if you work at a job that's stressful, whether it's toxic or the job is hard, whatever it is, a lot of times they call Sunday the Sunday scaries because you know you're about to go to work the very next day. And so it doesn't matter if you had a really great weekend. You're always thinking about what you have to go to that Monday. And that's what ends up happening with self-care. Running is great. Yoga, whatever it is that people are doing to make themselves feel better, it does help you to be ready to encounter that thing that's worrying you, that's stressing Mm -hmm. you, but you can't substitute doing all these self-care things, hoping that your stress is going to go away right? because that problem's still going to be there. Exactly. That job was still there and it was still horrible. Like you can't run enough miles to outdo the stress. And oftentimes what I've noticed within myself is it's almost easier to just try to deal with it and get over it whether it's worst case scenario or not. And most of the time it's not worst case scenario, but then you deal with it and then you can then enjoy your self-care thing, whether it's reading a book, um, you know, going out for a walk, going for a run, watching a movie, then at least, you know, Hey, I dealt with that thing and now I can enjoy this because for me, if I'm trying to be distracted from something that I have to deal with, it's not enjoyable. Right. But yeah, it's definitely self-care is important to put you in that position. And sometimes it is, especially doing things like yoga or running, it is in that place where you're then able to identify, oh, this is actually what's stressing me out. So self-care serves as a way to help you cope with the stress, but it's not in itself coping with the stress. Right. Self-care is not the solution for your stress. Exactly. So if self-care isn't the solution, then what is the solution to help us deal with stress? One of the most helpful frameworks that we have come across is called choice theory. And this is something that I was exposed to most of my life because my dad's a counselor and he's adopted this model into all of our lives and indoctrinated 
all of my family. Do you remember the first time I came to visit you? I mean, after the first time we met when I was already in Tennessee right. for something completely yeah, I different. And I still remember you were working at the hospital and there was one day where you had to go work all day uh-huh. and your dad said, oh, don't, don't worry. You can come hang out with me. And then we went to the university where he was teaching and for, I don't know, four hours, five hours, six hours, he yeah. literally took me through this entire framework. Yes. And so a part of me was obviously like, I want to have this good relationship with your family. Right. But as he started teaching it, I stopped thinking of him as your dad. And I was just <laughs> just absorbing all this because I thought to myself, like, it's all common sense, mm-hmm. but it's he's presenting it to me in a way that is super easy to understand. So like it helps to give you words right. and a framework for literally experiencing life every single day. Right. And that's why I love it. And we should probably have him on here and interview him and let him explain it better. But basically the way choice theory explains stress is that we always carry pictures with us. And, you know, we have a picture of what our job should be like. We have a picture of what our marriage should look like. We have a picture of how our kids should behave. All of these things. These are just, they're naturally a part of us. There's no getting rid of them. It's just who we are. And we filter our reality through all of that. And so what where stress comes in is when the reality of what's in front of you doesn't match the picture you have in your head. So when your kids are not behaving the way that the picture in your mind tells you they should behave, then you experience stress. When your job is not the way that the picture in your mind should be, which is what happened to me, then I was experiencing stress. Because, I mean, this is why no two people are stressed out by the same thing because there's so many different things that go into that. And everyone has a different picture of what they think their life should be like. One of the reasons that I like choice theory so much is, and this is one of the things that I teach, one of the things that I talk about with my staff is control what you can control and what you can't control, you can't give your emotions to that. You can't give your energy to those things because if you can't control it, then it's useless for you to be stressing out over those things. And what choice theory does is it tells you that there's a whole lot of things in your life that you actually have control of. So one of the things that choice theory teaches us that we control is our perception, like how we see things. So when you ask someone, is rain a good thing or a bad thing? I know you always like to say that Mm -hmm. when you're in Tennessee and you would ask, is rain a good thing? Most people say it's a terrible thing because it seems to rain all the time. I know my brother has a joke about, is it, is it raining? He still has the weather app listed as uh, Jefferson city. So he can always see if it was raining. Cause and the he week texts wedding, you all, oh, yeah, he he texts you all the time. Hey, it's raining. <laughs> yes. Because it rained like the entire weekend of our wedding. So that weekend rain was not a good thing. However, it did stop long enough for us to take our pictures. Yes. That and was that, all that we, mattered. So now when we think about our wedding, the perception is that it was good. But in California, when I would ask that question, you know, in groups and different counseling things that I was doing, they would always say, oh, yeah, rain is a good thing because it never rains in California. So out there, it's like you need rain. You know, in California, no one owns umbrellas. I know. 
my umbrella, when I pulled it out the other day, it was broken and I didn't know it. So because I hadn't used it in three years. So I I did think that was funny that you had an umbrella and when you came to California, because I thought to myself, like, why do you need an umbrella? Oh, I know. I never even, went anywhere without one. Because even when it rains, it's like, oh, it's not that big a deal. Right. Like you just run into wherever right. you're going. Except nobody knows how to drive in the rain in California. That's probably true. But perception. Like right. you always have control over how you are going to perceive the thing that's happening in your life. And so you can always change your perception. You can always reframe how you're seeing it. You can always have a better way of seeing the thing that's worrying you. And oftentimes it comes back to the picture that you have in your mind about how things should be. And just because you have this picture in your mind doesn't mean it's the only one. And sometimes you we have to change the perception and that doesn't mean you're settling for what's going on in front of you but it means that as you mature and as you grow you learn to see things in different ways and sometimes how you were seeing something or what you wanted or an expectation you had maybe wasn't helpful and it wasn't serving you and that's why you're having all this stress so that's what i love you can mm -hmm. control your perception and you can always control the thoughts you have about something so you can't always control your feelings. Like you can't tell yourself, don't be sad or be happy. You can't, you can say those things, but mm -hmm. it's never worked for me. But you can always change your thoughts about a circumstance, a situation, whatever you're perceiving all around you. So you can always change your thoughts and you can always change your actions. Mm -hmm. There is so much that we are in control of, but we don't lean into those things. And we just give all of our emotion, our happiness, our joy away to these external things that you're never going to control anyway. That's why I love choice theory because it gives you so much control over your life. Right. And when you think about coping with stress, it's okay, learning to identify what is the picture that I have? How do I think things should be happening? And what's my reality? Finding where that disconnect is and then saying, okay, so what do I have control over? Can I change my reality? Like, can I change what's actually happening in front of me? And if you can't, you know, in my situation, I like it would be easy to say, okay, just change your job. And trust me, I was trying. <laughs> so, but it on a daily basis, that wasn't possible. Like I still had to go to work because I still had to make money. And so it's okay. If you can't change your reality, then you have to change that picture, which is where changing, changing your perception of things, changing the thoughts that you think about things. That's where that comes into helping you cope with stress. And your pictures really come from like your wants in life. And whenever I teach this, I always like to give the example how if the things you want in your life are not realistic, you're going to be stressed and frustrated the rest of your life. And one of the things I like to tell people is, you know, I like to play basketball from time to time. I'm not very good. I never played in high school. I'm not very tall. So that's just not a sport that I naturally gravitate to. But when I play, I like to play. And I always like to tell the example of, you know, let's say I wanted to play for the Los Angeles Lakers, which is, you know, my home team back home. I can work out every day. I can dribble every day. I can shoot three pointers every day. I mean, I could literally dedicate every waking moment of my life to trying to make the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team. And the reality is I'm never going to make it. No matter, it doesn't matter how good I am. Nothing matters. I'm never going to make that team. But if I keep holding on to that want, that desire of wanting to be on that team, every day that I don't make it, my life is going to grow more frustrated. I'm going to become more stressed. 
And the reality is I can then just say, instead of I want to make the Los Angeles Lakers, a more realistic want is I want to join a basketball league for adults <laughs> where I can still enjoy it. Because if you, if, if basketball is a thing that I enjoy, then you're going to do the thing you enjoy. You just are going to find different venue for it. Right. So we've been talking a lot about how important it is for you as an individual to deal with stress. And the reason that we've done that is because we believe that in order to be in a healthy, happy relationship, it requires that you are a healthy individual first. And that's why it's so important to be self-aware, to be able to pinpoint those things that are giving you stress so that you can begin to deal and cope with those things and really overcome the things that are stressing you. But there's also ways that within the context of your relationship that you can deal with stress together. So I remember, Kara, when I was going through a period of stress in my life, and as I look back on it now, I can't remember how long it lasted, but I, I think it was probably two to three weeks. And like I was getting cold, I was getting a fever, I had a lot of low energy, I would uh, just kind of lay around the couch. And that's not really my personality. I'm, I'm not the most energetic person, but I don't just come and lay there and do nothing. And I remember it was particularly difficult for me. And I was able to really pinpoint what was bringing the stress and we were able to deal with it. And I was able to get past that. But I remember you did a really good job of holding space for me to feel that way. And you didn't tell me just get over it. You never try to fix me. You, you were just there creating that space to allow me to process some of this. And you were really helpful in me being able to have this conversation and dialogue with you so that I could really pinpoint what it was because you know me better than anyone else. And so you were able to speak into things that I couldn't see. And, and sometimes when you are stressed out, you have blind spots. You are blind to some of these things that your significant other or your partner can say, well, hey, have you thought this? Have you considered this? And so I wasn't looking to you to fix my problem or to fix me. I just needed you to be there to have that conversation with. Well, thanks, honey. <laughs> no problem. But I, what I remember about that was you weren't like you, you retreat into yourself when you're stressed. And that was maybe one of the first times that I really experienced that with you. That was learning to be secure in our relationship and knowing that you weren't withdrawing from me. You weren't saying I'm piecing out of this relationship because I'm stressed, even though I'm not engaging in the same way. I had to kind of deal with my own internal anxieties about what does all this mean? And 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 that did go a lot, I think, in what you're saying is about being able to hold space for you and, and let you do that. And that may be the difference too between men and women. And I know you can't speak in generalities all the time, mm -hmm. But I know for me, it's, I need to figure this out in my brain. And sometimes that looks like in the context of our relationship, this sounds like therapy. It's just learning to try to process this in my mind. But I do this when I get sick too. When I get sick, I just say, okay, I'm just going to go into the other room and I'm just going to tough it out. And I'm just going to let it heal itself or whatever, because I feel like when I'm being affected that way, I just need to let it run its course and then I'm going to be good again. But one thing that you are really good about is communicating that. I think you're very self-aware of when you need that space. And that's one thing because 
one way that people can cope with stress is like we say, like kind of retreating and being more, I don't know, what's the word? Introspective a little bit. But anytime that a partner needs that, I think it's important to communicate that and have a plan for like coming back together. So it's, if you are going to, I don't want to say withdraw, but if you're going to need that separate space a little bit or deal with it internally, like mentally communicate that and then make a plan for, you know, saying like, let me just have a couple hours or can I just have the afternoon to do this? Or can I just have five minutes? Or one of the things we do is I know I'm coming across with really low or negative energy. It has nothing to do with you. Right. I'm just trying to process this. Right. Because what we've realized is that when we keep our environment secure, when we continue to affirm each other that what I'm dealing with, you're not the cause of it, then that helps to not create more stress. And and it allows us to be able to give that person the space they need because we know now, I mean, we've been married long enough to, to begin to see some of these patterns of, well, we know this isn't going to last a year, but it's it's just going to take its time for, for each one of us to work things out. And, and that's one of the beauties about being in a relationship is that when you are going through stress, you can't depend on your partner to fix it, but you can rely on them to help you to bear that burden and help you to process some of this. But ultimately you have to be the one who, who deals with it because it's your stress. And I think in the context of a relationship, you also don't want to necessarily give that stress to the other person. And one of the things we've experienced in our relationship is that sometimes one of us is carrying more of the emotional energy for the other person. And when you enter into especially a marriage, you're committing to each other. And that's why so many of the vows are in good times and in bad times that, hey, sometimes one of us is going to have a good time. Sometimes we're going to be going through a bad time. But that's the beauty of a marriage is that, hey, we're committed to each other and we're going to hold space and we're going to help each other and we're going to bear one another's burden because we are committed not only to each other, but to having the best marriage that we can. And when it comes to stress, the ideal is that you are there for each other. And what I've seen in our relationship, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I feel like the way that we have supported each other when the stressor, I guess, is outside of the relationship, the way that we have learned to hold space, like you said, is that when it comes to when the stressor is our relationship, it is the other person or it is whatever's going on, that we've created that safe enough space where we are able to communicate that to each other. Those are always fun conversations. Oh, yeah. My favorite type. Although I feel like we never say, you're stressing me out. I feel like it comes out in different words and sentences. (laughs) But we've learned enough. It's like, I don't know, it's like dealing with things outside of the marriage is easier because it's, oh, it's not my fault. Like, I'm not the one stressing you out. But we, it's like you can apply the same coping and language, I guess. When I think it's... And it's not that we're trying to make ourselves sound awesome. It's we've been married and gone through a divorce. Oh, yeah. That horrible job I had was during my first marriage. And not that's a the, fun time. Right. And and so it's not that our marriage is perfect by any means, but because we've learned and we've gone through, each of us have gone through a divorce, we want to make sure that in this marriage, 
we are as we're best suited, we over communicate probably annoyingly so at times because we want to make sure that everything is out on the table so that we can deal with things as they come up. And, and I don't think there's anything better than when the stressor is the marriage or the other person or whatever it is to be able to communicate some of that. And then we've been able to take a little bit of space or, you know, just realize, okay, right now this thing is not going to be solved but we are going to take the time that we need. And there's a lot of other ways that we do that, that we'll obviously get to over the many episodes of this podcast, but just really being able to just be honest and authentic and genuine and gracious with each other. And I think that it helps to build trust with each other and build that security and that safety and knowing, okay, if I am stressed out or if if the cause of my stress is this relationship, I feel comfortable in, in bringing it up and knowing that we can deal with it. Right. And I think it's important that you see your partner as, this is going to sound super cheesy, but as your best friend, as the person that you are working with. As an ally as an and not ally. an adversary. That's perfect language. They're an ally because you've committed your life to this person. So why wouldn't you do everything you could to try to make this relationship the very best it can? Because you're part of that relationship. And the better the relationship is, the better your life is going to be, the more fulfilling the marriage is going to be, the happier you're going to be. And then you get to be one of those couples at the end of your life where you look back and you don't wish anything was different because you lived the life you wanted. Thanks for listening to the In Pursuit of Love podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you know someone that might benefit from our conversation, we'd love for you to share it with them. We'll see you next time as we continue to journey In Pursuit Pursuit of of love. Love.